right, let's look in First uh, John, First John chapter 4, and uh, we want to look at the lesson here tonight, the Christian and perfect love. In First uh, John chapter 4, we begin uh, reading in uh, verse 11, and read down to the end of the chapter. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed that the love that God hath to us, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may, be, we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we uh, from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time to study in the word tonight. I pray that you'd help us to understand some practical truths and how we are to love one another. Uh, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher this evening, and we might be able to make sound applications of the Word of God into our personal lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a couple of times here it speaks in reference to the perfect love, falling into perfect love, the perfect love of God, the perfect love that we have one for another. And so the Christian and perfect love. John, we know from last week's study, had given some great instruction and warning uh, in reference to false teachers and how we need to be careful of uh, false teachers, we need to be careful in days in which we live because we have such easy access to so much information over the Internet uh, that you could be reading all kinds of stuff and, and not realize who it is you're reading and what they believe and what is the background. And the next thing you know, uh, the devil used that to trip you up. And so he gave us good warning, instruction on false teachers. And now he's focusing on the brethren's love for each other. And uh, so Jesus said, Hereby shall men know that you are my disciples if you keep my commandments. Why would we keep the commandments of God? Simply because of the fact that he loved us. And uh, because he, he loved us, we love him. And because we love him, uh, then we live in accordance with what God has so stated and revealed to us. So John states that our love for each other is literally a, a barometer of our love for God. And it's kind of hard for us to say that we love God when we don't love uh, one another. John, in this chapter, we'll see in a few moments, we'll say, you know, how can you say you love God whom you've not seen when you hate your brother whom you have seen? And so uh, uh, our love for each other is 
evidence, a barometer, if you will, of how much, how deep is your love for God. And so let's look at a few things here in uh, chapter 4, verse 11 through 21. So there's love perfected in verse 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. And so uh, love perfected. First of all, letter A is just simply this, the comparison of love. And he says, if God loved us, then we ought to love one another. And so he's drawing that, uh, that parallel, if you will, of what our love for each other is in reference to God's love for us. We have instruction, we have an example, we have the opportunity to be able to love one another as God has loved us. The thing is this, number one there, it is our love for each other is different than what the world is. And the world's concept of love uh, is a selfish love. It's in reference to uh, gaining something for themselves rather than giving of themselves to someone else. In Matthew chapter 5, in uh, verse 46, uh, I'll get over there real quick for you. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 46 says, For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. So you're saying when we think about love being perfected in our lives, we have to acknowledge the fact that there should be a difference between our love for each other in reference to the world's love uh, uh, for each other. And so if we say we love one another, if, for if we love them which love you, what reward have you? Uh, the Christian lives his life loving those who are unlovely. Lovely. The Christian loves those who may uh, um, uh, verbally abuse them. Uh, the Christian loves those that persecute them. And so the, the world's love is, if I get out of you what I want out of you, then I'll love you. But if you, I don't get what I want or you don't respond the way I expect you to respond, then I'm not going to love you because it's a selfish love. Whereas a Christian love is a love that's based on the sacrifice and giving of oneself to someone else. And so there is a difference uh, between the Christian love and the world's love. And we need to identify the different uh, aspect of the world. The world just simply loves people because they love them. Uh, we love people that, that hate us. We love people that abuse us. We love people that are against us. Uh, God sent his son into this world because he loved a, a generation or, uh, of people that absolutely despised who he was and, and rejected everything that he was. But yet Christ died on the cross to demonstrate the depth of God's love. So uh, when you have a comparison of love, we know that the love of the world is completely different than what the love that's in a Christian and how the Christian responds to each other. As we should not. We should not, as believers in Christ, ever respond to each other the way the world responds in this hateful, aggressive, get-even type of mentality. Uh, that, there's no room for that with, among Christians because our love is different than the love of the world. And so in John 15, 12, it, it, this love is patterned after Christ. And uh, so we have Jesus as the example of how we're to love and how he loved his enemies 
and how he sacrificed himself for a sinful world. In John chapter 15 and verse 12, Jesus said this, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. And so oftentimes we ponder in our thought life of how we're supposed to live our Christian life. And everything that we are supposed to be is seen or experienced through who Christ is. And so the way we respond to each other is based on how Christ responded to us. Uh, how we exercise our love for one another is based on how Christ exercised his love for us. And so uh, we have a pattern to follow, and that was the life of Christ. And so we want to follow his example. Number three there, this comparison of love is uh, demonstrated through forgiveness. You know, when Jesus hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so those that had battered and bruised him and crucifying him, those who mocked him and ridiculed him, Jesus showed forth or demonstrated what, what the love of God was as he hung on the cross and uh, offered forgiveness towards them. If we say we love one another, then certainly there's that opportunity for us to be able to forgive someone who has wronged us. And over the years, I've heard people say, well, I can forgive them, but I'll never forget it. Uh, well, you know, that's a choice because, you know, God removes our sins and the Bible says he remembers them no more. Now, how can a God who is infinite in wisdom, who absolutely knows everything from the beginning of time, before time, and after time, uh, who knows everything and forgets nothing, all of a sudden doesn't forget, doesn't know our sins and our iniquities? It's because he chooses to put them aside, and he chooses not to hold our sins against us because he loved us and he forgave us. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he demonstrated the love of God and the depth of the love of God by hanging on the cross and forgiving those that had abused him and had crucified him. He did not hold uh, what they had done to him against him because he loves them. And so the way we forgive one another is that we do not hold the offense against the person that we forgive. And uh, we have no right because of the love of Christ that's in us. We have no right to hold grudges or resentment towards one another and allow bitterness to well up in our hearts. Why? Because God loved us when we didn't deserve his love. And he forgave us when we were ungodly and sinful and at enmity with God. And so we are to show forth the love of Christ in us by loving through forgiveness of those who have wronged us. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 60, dealing with uh, Stephen, uh, Stephen learned that. He said, he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So Stephen, here he is being uh, accused uh, he's being stoned to death because of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as he's on his deathbed, and literally the stones are flying at him, 
uh, he cries out to God not to hold their offense against them. And the reason is this, because of the love of Christ that was in his heart, he was able to forgive them and release them from the attacks and from the taking of his own life. And so when we compare that type of love with the love that the world has, I'll tell you, there's a drastic difference in the way believers live and how they respond one towards another. So we have to compare our love based on the love of God and not following after the love that the world has. So the comparison of love, uh, John just reminds us in our verse 11 that uh, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And so a good evaluation point, a good connection, if you will, is this. Am I loving the way I'm supposed to love? Well, think about this. Are you responding to people the way that Christ responded to you? Are you giving to people or reaching out to people or releasing people from offenses the way God released us from our offenses? Uh, God doesn't forgive us, save us, deliver us, set us free, and then every day remind us of all the wrongs that we did. Because he removes them, he forgets them, he releases them from us, and is based on his love. And so there's a demonstration of God's love is through forgiveness. And so the comparison of love. Letter B there, according to verse 12, is the companionship of love. Verse 12, it says, No man has seen God at any time, and if we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. So there's a companionship that is experienced because of the fact that God is with us, he has loved us, and if God's dwelling in us, then there's that experience that we can love one another because it's the love of God that, as Paul says in Corinthians, the love of Christ constraineth us. Literally, it means to glue us together. And so the companionship of love is based on the fact that God is in us. And because he's in us, he's dwelling with us. And because he dwells with us, then we can love one another because we are connected one with another. Here's the problem. The world does not see Christ in the word. That's the word of God. Thus, they must see him in us. People don't read their Bibles. People don't even have a Bible anymore. We, we have become a post-Christian nation. And people used to have Bibles. And, and I remember going out soul winning years ago. And, and, and I would tell people, do you have a Bible? You know, you try to talk to them about the Lord. And they would be friendly. They would talk to you. And I'd say, do you have a Bible? Oh, yeah, I have a Bible. I don't know where it is, but I'll go get it, you know. And they'd go find their Bible and bring it out. And I'd tell them, well, open up your Bible. Let's look what the Bible has to say. It means so much when a person has their own Bible and you're reading the scriptures to them. And uh, so they, we would lead people to the Lord that way. But nowadays, you say, do you have a Bible? They don't even know what it is. They don't even have the Bible. And so the problem is the world cannot see the love of Christ. They can't experience the love of Christ through the word of God because they don't have it. And, and the sad thing is, is so many churches nowadays, I'm hearing people testifying of this, that they go to churches and they don't even open up the Bible. They don't even teach the word of God. 
And so people cannot see and experience the love of Christ through the word. So how are they going to see it? How are they going to experience? They have to experience it through us. And so we have to show them what love is. We have to reveal to them what God has done in our hearts, in our lives. And so literally, as they say years ago, I remember old preachers saying this, you may be the only walking or living Bible somebody will be able to read. And the reality is people have no concept of God other than to watch what they watch Christians doing. And so many people come to conclusions that are not right and they're not just because they see Christians not living a life that demonstrates the love of Christ. And uh, they make their judgment about who God is and how they're to relate to one another based on how Christians act. And so let's not forget the world does not see Christ in the word, so they've got to see Christ in us. And then so number two, we do not see God's love I should say did. We did not see God's love until we saw Christ's sacrifice. And see, so if the world, uh, world does not have a Bible, they don't read about who Christ is. Uh, whatever church they may go to, uh, you know, they go to church. If they do show up in church, they don't read the word of God. And so how in the world can they experience uh, the love of Christ without seeing Christ? sacrifice on Calvary. It is so important that people understand what Christ did for them. And because there is no greater love than a man should lay down his life for his friends. And people don't see Christ. They just see Christ as being a teacher or another leader of religion and all these types of things. They need to see the sacrifice that Christ did for them. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so the companionship of love being perfected in our life is based on the reality of what Christ sacrificed in order for us to be saved. And the world needs to see it's about the sacrifice that Christ made. And uh, certainly they would, they would not consider offering themselves or offering their children to die in the place of someone who has completely wronged them. And that we can help them understand that by living out the love of Christ with each other and demonstrating a life of sacrifice. And so number three there, the world may be disinterested in God but they are starving for love. And uh, they may not want to know who God is, and as far as they're concerned, everybody's God is their own uh, uh, fantasy in their own mind. Their gods are not powerful. Their gods don't do anything for anyone. They could care less about God and the reality of God, but I'll guarantee you this. They are longing, and they are hungering, and they are literally starving to be able to know what it means to be really, truly loved. 
not a fake love, not a facade, not a selfishness, but a true sacrificial surrendered commitment that shows forth a concern and compassion for somebody simply because you love them. That's what God did for us. C.S. Lewis said this, though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. And people need to understand that, that God's love does not change. And uh, God loves us, and, and so, yes, if we disobey God, he, whom he loves, he chasteneth. And so we understand the discipline of God and the move of God, but people need to understand that, wait a minute, it, God's love never changes. And when you got saved, how many years ago you got saved, God saved you because he loves you, and all these years may have gone by, God's love for you has not changed. He still loves you. Christ still died for you. He was still sacrificed for you. And if we have that depth of that love that God has given to us, then certainly the conclusion, John says, is that we ought to love one another. It ought to be a natural response. Billy Graham said this, nothing can bring a real sense of security into the home except true love. And uh, I'll tell you, the, the fabric of American society is falling apart, and it's because of the fact we've lost the love of God personally, and we have lost the love for one another uh, in a family situation, and everything is falling apart. We need the love of Christ perfected in us. And so the Christian is love. Now, no man has seen God at any time. We haven't seen God. Others haven't seen God. But if we love one another, God dwells in us. What is he saying? If, God, if we love each other, then people can see the God who is living in us. And if they can see the God who is living in us, then his love is going to be perfected in each one of our lives and impact the world in which we live. So love perfected. Now in verse 13 through 16, we see love witnessed. And uh, first of all, in verse 13, uh, we see that there is spiritual aspect of a love witness. Verse 13 says, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. So there is a spiritual relationship between us and our God based on the Holy Spirit that he has given to us. And so that spiritual aspect of the love of God uh, that we experience is based on Christ in us. It is about the love of a father. And so many people, listen, people today struggle with that concept of a fatherly love because fathers are absent in the home, uh, because of the divorce rate in America, uh, because of the absentee fathers and whatever you want to do, you study anything that you want. It's hard for young people to grasp that concept that God loves them unconditionally because everything that they've seen in reference to a father's love is all based on condition or convenience or whatever you want to put the tag on there. And you say, I don't understand why these kids act the way they do. I don't understand why our society is the way that it is. And it's because we have forgotten the spiritual aspect 
of God's love for us. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, it says, For ye have not received the spirit of adoption again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby ye cry, Abba, Father. In other words, when God shed his love on us and he revealed himself to us, he adopted us into his family. And that adoption that took place spiritually literally enables us to identify with a father who will never abandon us, a father who will always love us, a father who is always there to care for us, a father who is always uh, going to provide for us no matter what happens. And, and I'll tell you, it is a new experience for so many people when they trust Christ as their Savior and they experience the love of God to, for the first time in their life to be able to understand how much God loves them. And uh, I remember my wife and I were involved in bus ministry, and, and I'll tell you, you talk about breaking, breaking your heart. You go into these homes uh, where, you know, there's one man in the home this month, and then the next month there's another man in the home, then the next month another man in the home. Uh, the kids are just left to themselves uh, there's no one to care for them or to show forth the, the love for them. And then you wonder why they act the way they do. And I really believe at that point in time is where the Christian needs to be able to demonstrate what it means to truly be loved. And help them to understand that there is a God in heaven who is <clears throat> our heavenly father. And irregardless of what happens on this earth, you can experience an adoption into the family of God and have a father that will never abandon you and never abuse you and never neglect you. And so a spiritual aspect of love being witness is based on the love of a father, our father which is in heaven. And so uh, there's, it's in the love of the spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, in verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Isn't it interesting that the fruit of the Spirit starts with love? And we like to be happy, and I'm going to tell you, it's great to be joyful, and, and all, it's great to be excited and everything else, uh, but it's hard to have joy and happiness apart from enjoying love. And then it says peace. And uh, the way we experience the peace of God that passes our understanding is based on the fact of the love of God. And, uh, uh, you know, the amazing thing is this, to know uh, that a father in heaven loves you and you experience that through the love of the spirit that is in your heart. He, uh, he abides with you. He never forsakes you. You're his temple and he is present. And so we can experience uh, that love of Christ in a powerful way. So love that is witnessed is spiritual in that it's a love of the father and it's the love of the Spirit, but it's also illustrated in the love of a husband. Because Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And so he uses the analogy of the relationship of a husband to his wife, patterning it after the love of Christ in the church. And so, men, you have a great responsibility uh, in your home, uh, in your community, in your church, in front of your children, uh, in interacting with the unsaved, to be able to see 
the love of Christ that is in you based on how you relate to your wife. Uh, certainly, uh, I've seen um, uh, couples just mock each other, make fun of each other, and all this. Uh, that, that is not demonstrating the love of Christ. And people that are in the world do that to themselves, then they certainly shouldn't be looking at Christians doing the exact same thing. And so we want to be a witness of the love that God has shed in our hearts. And we can do that as a father in reference to the spirit and the example of the husband with his wife. So spiritual. But then in verse 14 is individual. Verse 14 says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And so individually, Christ came into this world uh, to uh, die for us, that each of us might be able to experience the love of God. This was seen through the prophets. And I put the verse here so we could read it together. In Jeremiah 31.3, says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And so the prophets of old revealed the individuality of experiencing the love of God. God loved them with an everlasting love. And that's why he draws us to himself and draws us to be in relationship with him. We see it seen uh, in the Gospels, in John chapter 11, uh, Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus, and the response of the people was uh, how he loved, how he loved him, how he loved Lazarus. And so when, listen, when we have, read through the Gospels, it helps us to see the emotional responses to our love for each other based on the love of God for us. And chapter 20 of John in verse 30 and 31 records for us the facts that all these things that were written down did not record everything that took place in the life of Christ, but, was, but what was recorded was recorded for the purpose that we might believe, and if we would believe, then we would be saved. And so it's seen this witness of uh, the love of God is seen through the prophets of old and it's seen through the gospels. And number three there, it is seen in the Christian. Christians need to demonstrate uh, the love of Christ. I, I read this little illustration. I thought it, it spoke so well of what we need to comprehend about the love of God seen in us as Christians. Years ago, a Christian man who had got saved stated I can't, I can't understand these Christians, why they have been treated, uh, I'm sorry, they have been, why they have been treated most abominably here. They have been robbed, beaten, many of them killed. They have been persecuted fearfully, and yet I never find one of them retaliating. And any time they can do anything for China and for our people. They are ready to do it. I don't understand them. His wife responded, well, that you see is the very essence of Christianity. They do that because they are Christians. Now, that's hard for us to wrap our mind around in America. Because in America, we have freedom to worship as we please. 
in America, we have the opportunities to uh, live and act and do whatever we want without retaliation against us for being a Christian and living that way. But in other parts of the world, that is not the case. And in other parts of the world, Christians live out the example of what love is by sacrificing themselves. They live out what love is by giving of themselves to help others who are abusing them. They live out their Christian life based on the reality that they don't know whether they're going to live or die today, but they're assured of the fact that they're going to heaven, so while they're alive, they're going to do what is necessary for people to see the love of God. Now, the reality is we do not live that way in America. If we did, we wouldn't have church splits that go on in America. If we did, we wouldn't have the conflicts that develop in churches constantly. If we, if we did, we wouldn't have, I don't know, what is it, 10,000 churches a year or something like that, I think it is, 4,000 a year, I forget what the number is that closed down every year in America. We wouldn't have those things if we had a love for each other and a love for God that could be seen and lived out in front of those that may be aggressively against our, our, our faith in Christ. And so love that's witnessed. So spiritual, individual, Letter C is just sacrificial. In verse 15, he says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. And so we see the sacrificial type of love that was demonstrated through Christ. Number one, there is just the unity of the Godhead is seen. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Literally in the Greek, it means one in the same. And uh, people teach the doctrinal error when they say that Jesus was a creative being and uh, he was just physical on the earth when he was born of Mary and all these things. No, Jesus said, I and my Father are one and the same. That's why the Pharisees were so upset because Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. And the follow-up is that my, my father and I are literally one in the same. And so there's the unity within the Godhead shows us the sacrificial love. The unity in the brethren. In John chapter 17, you look these verses up later. It's a great prayer of Jesus in John 17. His prayer was that we might be one with each other as he was one with the Father and the Father one with him. That's the concept by which God has outlined that we're supposed to be demonstrating or witnessing the love of God that's in us. We are so bound together because of the love of Christ that is in us. Uh, it really, it really hurts my heart to think of divisions and problems and distresses among believers when God has so stated how strongly we ought to be loving one another and committed to each other. Uh, 
So there's a unity in the Godhead. There's uh, the unity of the brethren. And then number three, there's a unity in the purpose. In John chapter 5, there was no division as far as the focus or the outlook or the, uh, the desire of Christ to accomplish his, will, his Father's will on earth. And certainly his disciples were in tune exactly with that. So we have love perfected. Then John talks about love being witnessed. D.L. Moody said, if, if we have uh, got the true love of God shed abroad in our hearts, we will show it in our lives. We will not have to go up and down the earth proclaiming it. We will show it in everything we say or do. So everything. You know, we developed this mindset that, that spirituality is when we're in the church. No, spirituality is wherever we are, whatever we're doing. Uh, we don't have to say <clears throat> that we love one another because people see that we love one another. We don't have to say that we love the sinner because people see us reaching out and demonstrating our love for the sinner. And so a love that is witness. So love exercise, verse 17 uh, through 21. Notice First of all, uh, letter A there, uh, love exercise provides boldness. In verse 17, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Boldness, the ability to be able to live our life unapologetically, live our lives completely surrendered and totally committed to all that Christ is as we live our life in this world. Uh, because as he is, that's what we are. That's why Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Not I, but Christ liveth in me. And so it's not based on who I, we lose our identity in Christ. We cease being who we are. Because we've become a child of God and we're one in Christ. We have our personalities and yes, we're all different. And yes, uh, every one of us uh, have different spiritual gifts and all those things. But the reality is God is in us and we are with each other and eat in each other because of the fact that we're one in Christ. And it's based on the boldness of the reality that Christ loves us and we live in accordance with that love that he has. It provides boldness. Boldness to be able to put ourselves out there. Uh, really, when you think about living the Christian life, you are exposed over and over again. Somebody needs something, you want to need to be a help to somebody, you want to reach out to them, you're exposing yourself to be taken advantage of. But yet the Bible doesn't tell, tell us that we're supposed to withhold those things. We're supposed to show forth, exercise the love of Christ that is in us. Provides boldness. Letter B there, it removes fear. In verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. And he that feareth is not made perfect in love. See, the reality that God's love is never going to change, circumstances in life change all the time. 
But the stabilizing factor in my life is I do not need to be over distraught and overcome with fear because of the fact that the love of Christ never changes. And so love removes fear. And uh, so, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So we need to live in the realm of the love of God because that is the unchanging factor that gives us not only boldness, boldness, but it gives us hope and it gives us direction. It gives us strength because of the fact that God is always filling us with his love. So it removes fear. Not only that, but love, exercise, identifies the object. Notice verse 19. It says, we love him because he first loved us. That's the object of our love. We love him because he first loved us. Verse 20, if any man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? So what is the object of our love? Our love is, is towards Christ. It is towards God. And because of the fact that our love is fulfilled and satisfied in the person of our God, then it's absolutely, well, I shouldn't say it's absolutely impossible because people do hate each other at times, but there should be no room for any hatred or despising of one another because of the fact of the love of Christ that is in us. And uh, so we have to be careful about how we respond to one another uh, because we exercise the love of God by identifying who we love. We love our God and we love each other, not because each other is perfect and not because each person uh, meets our satisfactional desires of what we expect out of them, but we realize this, that they're sinners that are saved by grace like we're sinners saved by grace. And we've entered into this relationship with God based on his love towards us. Then how in the world can I have a hatred and bitterness towards someone else when God loves me so much? And so it identifies the object. And then uh, love exercise obeys the commandment. Verse 21, in this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. And so the love of Christ that is in us teaches us, commands us, drives us, motivates us to love one another. I like what A.B. Simpson said. He says, one touch of Christ is worth a lifetime of struggling. And, uh, you know, the, the love of Christ in us, well, I'll tell you, just that one touch was enough to change our whole life. Uh, Jerry Bridges said this, we obey God's law not to be loved, but because we are loved in Christ. So we don't obey God's commandments so I can gain God's love. No, I obey his commandments because I already have his love. And we should not be striving to satisfy one another to try to woo somebody's love or approval. It ought to already be there because we are already in Christ. And so love perfected. John says we need to perfect the reality of the love of God uh, that's been shed abroad in our hearts. And so the Christian and perfect love. I hope that's a help. There's a lot of verses we didn't look up, but be sure to do a study and look them up and it'll help you out in uh, oh, applying this uh, principle of the perfection of the love of God in our hearts.